welcome to the Peaceful World Schooling Podcast, featuring your host, Angela Harders. We're committed to cultivating a peaceful world beginning right in our own hearts and homes. Together, we believe that the world is our biggest and best classroom, and the people and places in it are our greatest teachers. So I invite you to join me on the adventure of a lifetime, beginning with a conversation that can change the world. Today's episode of the Peaceful World Schooling podcast was recorded in November 2021. Since then, Shayna Rathbone has been diagnosed with a grade 1 meningioma brain tumor. She's also undergone brain surgery in order to remove the tumor and has been experiencing several complications post-surgery, including multiple types of seizures on a regular basis. Shayna's also suffered nerve damage that is affecting her ability to walk. In order to help support Shayna, I created a Give, Send, Go campaign where you can donate directly to help her and her family as they navigate these extremely difficult circumstances. Please check out the link in the description so that you can give directly to her. Thank you in advance for your generosity. Hello, and welcome to today's episode of the Peaceful World Schooling Podcast, where we are committed to cultivating a peaceful world beginning right in our own hearts and homes. My name is Angela Harders, and I'm a special education teacher, the author of Gospel-Based Parenting and the Crunchy Kids series, and a proud world schooling mother to two amazing friends, Sophia, who's seven, and Benjamin, who is three. Today on the Peaceful World Schooling Podcast, I have the privilege and honor of introducing you to Shana Rathbone. Thank you so very much for joining us as we have a conversation that can change the world. Thank you for joining me, Shana. Thank you for having me. It is my pleasure. And um, actually, Shana, I'm, I'm really excited to have this conversation with Shana today because um, not only are we both local, we're both here in Maryland, but we also have our children in the same homeschool co-op group, um, which actually is a self-directed learning center. And we can talk about that later in the episode. Um, but to get us started, can you just share a little bit about who you are, your family, and a little bit about your story? Sure. Um, so yes, as Angela mentioned, my name is Shana Rathbone. Um, I am a homeschooling mom of two, um, Arabella, who is 13, and Brayden is eight. <laughs> Make sure I get that right. Um, but I didn't start out as homeschool as a homeschooler. Um, my daughter um, went to a typical school. She actually started out in a cooperative preschool, which is really a lot like homeschooling because they do a lot of organic style learning. They're outside a lot. They learn by doing, um, not, you know, worksheet after worksheet and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And I really, she went there for two years and I really enjoyed how that was set up and how the parents could be like fully involved. Like we could come and spend all day in the classroom if we wanted. Oh, um, wow. which really helped me after my mom passed away 10 years ago because I, at that point, I kind of clung to the kids, like they just kind of lifted me up. Yeah. So for like several weeks, I just spent the whole day in the classroom. Um, and it really helped during that grief period, but that's another story. But um, 
So when my daughter started going to public school for kindergarten, it was kind of a shock for, for me as a parent coming from a, a preschool that was so involved mm-hmm. into the public school system where parents are kind of shut out. Like yeah. unless you get picked to go on a field trip or you somehow win the lottery and get to be the, the, the room mom, <laughs> you really don't know anything that's going on except for the hundreds of you know, letters that are being sent home all the time. Um, And even those letters, they're really generic too, you know, like they don't really give a parent a good idea of what's happening behind the closed doors of that classroom. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. And that was really hard for me because I I felt like I didn't know what she was learning. Hmm. Um, And, but I really liked her kindergarten teacher. She was really sweet. Um, and, you know, actually for kindergarten, I did get lucky to be able to be the room mom. <laughs> but um, once she got into first grade, things kind of changed because, you know, there were some bullying issues going on in the school, on, on her bus specifically, mm. stuff that I had heard that had been going on for a couple of years prior. It was, it was two brothers. And in first grade, it hit my daughter. Oh. I could tell something was wrong because... At the time I had an infant, my son was just born and my daughter would purposely try to miss the bus because she didn't want to ride the bus. She wanted me to take her to school. And that was really inconvenient when you have an infant, you know? So yeah. finally I, you know, started talking to some of the parents and they were telling me that their kid, the parents at our bus stop, they were telling me that their child was telling them that Bella was being bullied on the bus by these boys. Oh, wow. But my daughter wouldn't tell me anything. She was always kind of like, it's okay. No. (laughs) And so I went to the principal and I said, you know, I want to have a discussion about this. Like, I want to see the recordings of the bus. And she's like, you know, we could get the recordings, but there's no, there's no video. I mean, there's no audio. And I'm like, okay. And I told her how, you know, I'm told that it's these specific kids. And I've been told that they're, you know, they have a history of bullying. And she's like, yeah, you know, we, we, we know about them. And I said, well, you know, at what point do these kids lose their privilege of riding the bus? Mm-hmm. And she said, well, we really don't like to do that because it's a big inconvenience for the parents. And I sat back and said, so it's not a big inconvenience to the parents of the child that's being bullied Wow. when we have to drive our kid to school every day because they're scared to ride the bus. Yeah. So at that point, well, then I, I found out a couple weeks later that the principal was apparently good friends with the grandparents of these two boys Mm. and that really it rubbed me the wrong way because I'm like you know friends are not you still have a job to do yeah and kids to protect so I wanted to pull my daughter at that point um because I didn't want her to be at a school that was run like that um so but my son or my husband was against it he was kind of you know jaded you know the old old school homeschooling you know he's like I grew up with a couple and they were just weird and I'm like that was 35 years ago (laughs) there's so many opportunities now for homeschoolers like it's different yeah but I held off and then when she got to third grade um that you know that's when they start changing classrooms and when they start doing the standardized testing and I started noticing that she was really irritable like she wasn't cooperative at home at, like she used to be. And then they called me in for a, um, a conference and they said, no, we're not going to sugarcoat it. We're concerned that Bella's reading on a first grade level right now. Mm. And I said, well, 
how's that possible? Cause she was like above reading level at the end of second grade. Yeah. And I, I put her in the summer reading program every year. She reads out loud to us. Like what, what is she struggling with? Maybe I can help her at home. And her teacher couldn't give me any answers. Hmm. She was just like, well, you know, this is based on our assessments and I could recommend a tutor. And I said, I don't want to have to pay for a tutor. I want to be able to know what she's struggling with. Yeah. And you can't tell me that. And so it was at that point when I realized I was kind of I had mixed feelings. There was part of me that was angry. But then there was also part of me that kind of felt bad for the teacher because I was like, wow, you, you guys have so much put on you that you don't even know where individual children are struggling. Yeah. Um, so I just, I called my husband on the way home and I said, listen, I know you don't agree with it, but I'm pulling her. Wow. I mean, it's, it's clear that I can do a better job at giving her the attention that she needs at home than what she's getting at school because the teacher doesn't even know where she's struggling. Yeah. So I pulled her that it was mid third grade, right, right. Well, right before Thanksgiving break. And she just never went back after, after Thanksgiving. And it's been a game changer, honestly, because I was petrified at first because I didn't think that I could teach my kid. <laughs> like <laughs> I'm not a teacher, but I remember this one woman that I met, um, when I was actually in line to vote, uh, struck up a conversation with this grandmother, her, her older grandchildren were there. And I guess they homeschooled or no, maybe they were off. I think they were off that day anyway. Cause I had my kids with me. Um, and she was talking about how she homeschools for grandchildren. I was like, Oh yeah, I wanted to homeschool. I said, but I don't know if I'm you know, qualified, if I could do it or if she'd respect me as a teacher. Mm. And she, one thing she said, she's like, you don't need any special qualifi qualifications to homeschool your kids. The only thing you need is to know that you have their best interest at heart and you love them through it all. Wow. Like that was the one thing. And it, it kind of stood out to me. Like, I don't need to be there, be a teacher. Like, mm -hmm. I mean, I've guided these children from the moment they were born to learn how to eat, dress, talk, like why can't I guide them through this? You know, there's so many resources these days that, you know, why do I have to have a special certification? Right. So I pulled her and we had signed up for a curriculum. And then, um, I kind of backed out of that because, because I did it in like halfway through the year, I had no clue where she was at, like where to start. So I just started testing her back to back to back, like doing these assessments and we were both miserable. Mm. And I finally, I reached out to one of the homeschool Facebook groups that I'm in. And it was the parents in there that really kind of put me on the path I am now because they said, you know, stop schooling ever at all. Like put everything away and don't do anything. Mm. Just let her be a kid and pay attention to how she learns how she learns best. The more you're pushing stuff on her, the harder it's going to be. And so, and they, very they good also, advice. <laughs> yeah. They also told me to look up, um, unschooling, mm -hmm. or, I'm sorry, de, de schooling Yes. To get me out of that mindset of what she should be doing. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, because, you know, once you're in the public school system, you get, you do kind of get into this, oh, they need to be on at this pace, you know? Right. Um, and if they're not, then they're not doing well. 
Yeah. For people that aren't familiar with that term de-schooling, can you explain a little bit about what that means and what that de-schooling process looked like for you? De-schooling is basically getting out of your head. Um, the way I kind of look at it as, you know, when you're, when you're in public school, you have this, it's ingrained in you that, you know, in first grade, they should be learning this second grade, they should be learning this third grade, they should be learning this and all these different steps. And then, oh, well, they need to be getting this grade and, you know, or they're not smart or they need to be reading by this age, like all these different expectations that have been put on us. Mm -hmm. De-schooling kind of teaches you that that's not what we shouldn't be holding our kids to the, to this standard. Like their kids, they all, they all learn at different paces in their own individual way. Um, you know, that there was, I watched a documentary once it wasn't a documentary. It was like a short blurb about how so much of in society has evolved to fit, to fit society. Like our cars, suit us better these days than they did in the fifties, you know, but the one thing that hasn't changed is our education. Mm -hmm. Like you sit at the desk in the class, all facing one way, the teacher teaches the same thing to everybody and you're expected to just keep up with it. Well, it's inevitable that there's going to be kids that don't learn that way. Mm -hmm. They need to learn differently. So de-schooling kind of takes you back to realizing that your kid is unique in how they need to learn and it's our job to kind of honor that and provide the tools for them to learn in the way that best suits them yeah so I did I was kind of scared I was really scared (laughs) I put everything away and her creative she's always been very creative but her creativity kind of went through the roof for two months like we did nothing until after the first of the year because she was just she had no less than four different projects going on around the house at one time <laughs> sometimes my husband would come home and be like uh what is this and I'm like don't touch it leave it there it's her thing leave it there but you know she needed to get that out because mm-hmm. like as I said like she was always very creative and when she started in public school that create creative part of her brain got like stifled I mean, there was one time in first grade that her parent or her her teacher called me in for a conference and she said that, you know, she had to turn Bella's desk completely around because when she would be explaining something to other kids, Bella would start pulling crayons and stuff out of her desk and start drawing. Mm -hmm. And while, I mean, I could understand from the teacher's perspective, that may have been a distraction in my mind, I'm thinking, okay, well, it's clearly something she already knows. So she's trying to keep her mind occupied. Yeah. And her creativity is how she does that. Yeah. So she, she was doing something that she needed to do. Um, but it's it's interesting that you talk about like her creativity and how that was stifled in the schooling environment. And I, I definitely can say that I wish that that was the exception to the rule, but it's really not. And when I was teaching at an elementary school in Prince George's County, one of the counties close by where we live, Um, The kids in that school, in that elementary school, they only had art class twice a year for half an hour. That was it. Wow. Art class twice a year. And, um, and it just blew my mind because we think about, you know, children and how much art and creative expression, like how important that is to little kids in particular that, that just 
they love to paint and draw and create and make things and sculpt and like, and then to only have that opportunity twice a year for 30 minutes is, is just crazy to me. Um, what, I mean, and, and that is so telling too, that when your daughter was free from that, those school, schooling expectations, the first thing that she kind of dove into was that creative expression and like really investing her time and energy in, in art and expressing herself through art. That's, that's really incredible. Yeah. And I mean, it goes back to, you know, even in like child, childhood therapy. Yeah. Therapists will use art to get kids to express their feelings, to get, right. to get out. So it's being good at creative art, you can also be very healing. So mm-hmm. it kind of, you know, I kind of started putting it together. Like it's no wonder she was so stressed and combative and non-cooperative at home whenever she was feeling a certain way and she had no way to get it out. Cause of yeah. course, when she came home, she had to do homework. And if we had, you know, she was at, at the time she was, you know, doing different extracurricular activities. So it was always, okay, hurry up, do your homework, grab something to eat. Let's go. We got to get to practice. And then it's get home, get, get it back, get ready for school the next day. Like it was this constant rush, 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 rush. And that being placed on young children, I, I feel like now looking back, like, I feel sorry that I did that to her for three years, <laughs> you know, because now she's just, she's so much more relaxed. She's, she's, I don't know. She's just blossomed so much because she thinks for herself. She talks about ideas. Like she, she has like a, like adult conversations. Like she gets curious about real things. And sometimes when I see her perspective on things, I'm like, wow, (laughs) you're only 13 and you look at it that way. Like, yeah. Brilliant. (laughs) Yeah. And so I just, I don't know. Everyone kept asking me, they're like, you know, were you ever going to put her back in school? And I'm like, you know, we're going to take it year by year. As long as she still likes homeschooling, we'll keep doing it. Yeah. You know, I didn't, I was nervous because, you know, they said, you know, they miss out on so much in high school prom and all that kind of stuff. But nowadays with the the co-ops and the different organizations for homeschoolers, like they, they fill all that in, you know, they don't miss out on anything. Yeah. They really I mean, don't. Yeah. If anything, they get more, but you know, it was very, di- there was a very, it was a very different experience between starting to homeschool my daughter who had, you know, the first three years of public school versus starting with my son, because, you know, he's never went to public school. Oh, wow. There's five years difference from them. So I was already starting, you know, I was already homeschooling my daughter by the time he was getting of age. He did still go to the the same cooperative preschool that she went to because we just, we loved that, that preschool. So, but I knew I wanted to homeschool, but I was of course scared because I'm like, how am I going to teach my son to read? How am I going to do all that stuff? <laughs> um, and then uh, we had joined uh, an umbrella group because I stopped reviewing with the county because they just, they make it so much more stressful <laughs> on, mm-hmm. on me as a parent. Like, I think my anxiety was just through the roof. Like I never felt like I was enough. Like I was doing enough. I was good enough. Like, mm-hmm. oh my gosh, are they going to tell me I can't homeschool my kid anymore? Cause I don't have enough stuff. Yeah. So I started reviewing at the County, um, because we do more of an eclectic style homeschooling. It was much more relaxed that way. Um, because 
the umbrella group leaders, like they understand, they get it. They homeschool their own kids. And so whenever we first joined a, an umbrella group, the, the director of that, she, she made a comment at the meeting. She said, you know, most kids, by the time they're eight years old, whether they have formal instruction or no instruction, will teach themselves how to read because they're just, they're naturally curious. And if you, it kind of like potty training, if you try to push it too early, the kid's going to kick back. You're going to struggle. It's going to be this big headache and it's going to be a miserable experience. Sure. They'll eventually get it. But if you just wait until the child shows you that they are ready to potty train, it goes so much easier and so much faster. And so she basically said, you know, don't push it. Mm. Don't, push it too soon like they'll pay attention to them and they will show you when they're ready Mm -hmm. so I kind of you know at the time my son hadn't started kindergarten he was about to start kindergarten but I was like hmm I wonder if that's actually true and then when we started kindergarten when I started kind of introducing certain things I noticed he had zero interest in letters words sounding things out and um is that I'm sorry. No worries. <laughs> but, um, but he had zero interest in learning to read or sound things out or even writing letters. And I was kind of nervous at first, but he really enjoyed math and science and that kind of stuff. So I just kind of held in the back of my head what she said. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to trust her. She's done this with her own kids. She runs an umbrella group. I'm sure she sh- has to know what she's talking about, right? Yeah. <laughs> so I just, I let it go. And we focused on the stuff that he was interested in. And uh, it went okay. And then I remember thinking, please don't let any of my friends start asking him to like read something. Cause then I'm going to be like judged because my homeschooling kindergartner can't read. Like, <laughs> you know, that kind of paranoia because you know of their ex everybody else's expectations right yeah and so but I I was like you know what this is our journey and we're going to do it our way they don't understand it they don't need to understand it I just need to understand it and be comfortable with it mm-hmm. so yeah. same thing through through first grade um and then it was it was during the summer between first and second grade um, it was when we had the, the shutdown and everything. Yeah. He suddenly started asking questions and looking at, looking at signs and looking at words and saying, what does that say? What does that sound? What sound does that make? And so I kind of was like, okay, this is, this is what we're going to do. We're going to do this now. Okay. <laughs> so I just kind of went with it and got, you know, I was excited to, to teach him stuff and he picked it up like that. Like, oh, wow. He just, it, it got to the point that my husband would, he would say, he would say something, read something. And my husband would look at me like, how did he know what that said? And I'm like, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know, but he's getting it. Like he understands it. And oh, that's amazing. Yeah. And now in, in some ways he almost can read things better than my 13 year old because, because I think it was pushed on her too early there were things that she missed. Mm. Um, so there's still some things that she struggles with sometimes. Um, I don't know if that's something that will just kind of iron itself out. Um, 
I'm not really sure, but it's just, it's amazing to see how, how different it can be when you just let the child show you when they're ready to learn something and you run with it then versus mm -hmm. trying to push it all together because of a specific grade and expectations of what they're supposed to be learning. Yeah. Well, and when we wait until our children are expressing interest in these different things, they learn it so much faster. Like mm -hmm. I find that when my daughter's the one that's asking the questions or wanting to learn about a particular topic, we don't have to spend, you know, an, an hour or days or weeks trying to learn a particular math topic or something like that, because she's the one that's initiating it. And so it just, they just get it like that. And we can, you know, move on, you know, and there's so much less stress and headache and fighting and bickering and mm -hmm. like we can just relax and go with the flow and as stuff comes up in their real life, then we address it in real life in real time. Yeah. And yeah. And that's, that's kind of how we've, we've done most things. I mean, I still do, we still use curriculum for like, um, language arts and math. Um, so they're still like learning, but if they, if they're kind of like acting like they're kind of burnout or they're just need a break, then we take a break. Um, yeah. and then they go back to it. But most other things when it comes to like social studies and science and things like that, like it's more of like life learning, like as things come up or, you know, I might bring something, like I might bring something up, like say it's like a certain season, you know, and you want to learn, obviously you want to kind of use that season to learn about a topic that pertains to that season. Then, yeah. you know, um, but if they have no interest, then okay. Hmm. Yeah. Maybe next year they'll have the interest, but it just, it's made it so much more relaxed rather than pushing things. Cause I mean, I had a friend who, um, she started homeschooling a couple months after I did. She also pulled her daughter out, but she put her in this very strict, basically school at home curriculum mm. and her daughter hated it. Oh, wow. Like she ended up, she only did it for like three months and she put her back in school because she's like, I can't do this. It's a constant battle. And I'm like, I, I didn't want to say you're doing it wrong, but <laughs> like, because I think everybody's journey is their own, but yeah. well, I but really that's believe why that's why that de-schooling process I think is so important because when you take a child out of this super structured environment where someone else is telling them what they have to learn all day, every day, like every moment of their life is planned. And then you take them into a homeschooling environment. When you try to kind of duplicate that or do school at home, it just, it, it never, it never really works out well. You know, like kids just, no. they're not meant to learn like that. Um, and then especially when you factor in that, you know, the parent child relationship there too, it just causes so much strife um, between parents and children. I mean, even parents just having to deal with the homework aspect of their kids learning. I, parents fight with their kids all the time about, did you do your homework yet? You got to do your homework now, you know, stop playing games, go do your homework. I mean, it's this constant struggle over school and it's a struggle that doesn't need to be there. Um, yeah. Cause I think that I think there's a, there's a different dynamic that I, I, I noticed. Cause I know when I first started homeschooling, I was afraid that I couldn't teach my daughter. Yeah. But then at looking back on it, I was never meant to teach my daughter. Like kids look at teachers as like authoritarian type mm -hmm. of a figure. Like 
telling them what, instructing them, telling them what they do. They don't look at their parents like that. They look at parents as this is my comfort. This is my safe space. This Mm -hmm. is, you know, and so we kind of have to approach it differently. Whereas instead of teaching our children, I look at now as I'm just a coach. Mm -hmm. I'm like standing on the sidelines. I will help them and provide ways for them to get information, whether it be looking up documentaries, Googling something, providing a a curriculum that they can use, providing workbooks or anything that they want to use to like look at resources and stuff. Yeah. And then it's, then they kind of take the reins. And then when they need help or when they're struggling, it's kind of like, they can be like, Hey, and then I'll just kind of step in and be like, okay, like what, how can we, how can we figure this out? Yeah. Like, I think that's a great way to say it. Like using that, the term of a coach or the, the image of a coach. Um, one of the ways I like to explain it is that as parents, we have two choices. We can either have power over our children or we can empower our children to do the things that they love and that they want in the world. And when we have power over them and that, that like authoritarian structure, it, it, it really does. It creates conflict. Just the dynamics yeah. of that relationship creates conflict. But when we can have that kind of coaching mentality where I'm not here to have power over you, but I'm here to empower you in the things that you're pursuing in your life. If you need help, if you need strategies, if you need resources, if you need support, like that's what I'm here for. Um, but I'm not here to take, you know, power and control over you. Like you are unique, a unique individual with your own, you know, passions, talents, and gifts and all that. And I'm here to support you in those things, you know, yeah. in your own life path. It's the same kind of concept of, you know, when kids are, you know, when they're growing up, how they start to want to explore their independence Yeah. and they start wanting to assert their independence and, you know, they become like, you know, the whole, no, no, like, they want to, I I do it myself. Like they want to, they want that independence. So if we can, you know, give them that independence with, you know, obviously some boundaries, you're not just going to be like, Oh, do whatever you want. (laughs) Um, but when we, if we go about it where we're constantly just telling, telling, telling it's going, we're going to keep that power struggle going that we had when they were toddlers. Yeah. You know, so it just, yeah, it just, it works better when you can kind of take away that, that instruction type of mentality and replace it with just support, mm-hmm. um, you know, so that they are kind of feeling more in charge. Like they have the choice of how fast they want to go. Like, you know, just this year, my daughter realized that, you know, a lot of her kid, a lot of her friends are looking at what high schools they want to go to. Um, so they're researching high schools. And she came to me a few weeks ago. She's like, you know, mom, I don't think I want to go to high school. And I said, okay. And she said, it's funny though, because most of my friends are researching high schools, but I can research colleges because oh, wow. she re- she learned that I think it's at 13, you can start to clep out of classes. Mm-hmm. And she has the option to start college early and do like dual enrollment and things like that. Like she, she has opportunities as a homeschooler where she can actually graduate early and have part of her college done. Yeah. You know, if she applies herself, if she does the work and, you know, sets herself up for success, then she can go beyond what her public school friends are doing. Yeah. Um, 
And so a lot of those college classes, she can actually take them not just at a discount, but a lot of them are free for homeschoolers, um, which yeah. is another really great, great incentive, I, I think. But that is that is really cool as her friends are exploring what the high school they're going to, that she's recognizing that she can already be thinking and planning about what college she wants to go to or what kinds of steps she will need to take now to prepare herself to be where she wants to be for the future. Yeah, because she's, and she said for the last, uh, say maybe two years that she wants to be an architect and I kind of you know I take it with a grain of salt like that may change I mean I know when I was that age I had an idea of what I wanted to be but that's totally not what I want to be now (laughs) but you know I entertain it I'm like okay well you know you really got to hone in on math and the science if you want to be an architect um and so she knew that like my husband went to Catholic University down in DC and he had some of his good friends were in their accelerated master's program for architecture where they went to school for five years and they had their master's in architecture Mm. so she didn't want to go to the college that dad went to (laughs) um but so she's been researching like googling what colleges have accelerated master's programs for architecture Mm. and so and then even in our the curriculum that she is we're with um acellus academy Mm-hmm. Um, well, actually, we're doing their unaccredited version, um, which is called Power Homeschool. But she was looking through there and she's like, Mom, they have an engineering class. Can I take it? Mm-hmm. And I was like, Sure, why not? So, like, she's taking their engineering class, you know, at 13, just because she wants to, you know, get a taste for what that's about. Mm-hmm. Um, and then she also likes to look at classes on outschool.com, which has a lot of great architecture and engineering type themed classes. So, you know, now that she knows that she's holding the reins, she has the motivation to, to do more mm. um, versus being pushed and told and, well, you know, you have to get this grade. Like, I've never talked anything to her about grades because in our old curriculum, they didn't actually score things on grades. It was like percentages. So I always told her, I'm like, as long as you get an 80% or more on these quizzes, then you can move forward. If you get below that, I want you to retake the lesson because it, you missed something. Yeah. You know, I want to make sure that you understand it enough to move forward. Yeah. And, <clears throat> but now that we switched to the Acellus program, you know, they, she likes looking at the GPA and she likes to challenge herself to see if she can get that GPA higher. Uh-huh. <laughs> so it's been like this personal challenge of hers mm-hmm. um, just because she knows that she has the ability to like, there's no ceiling. The, the sky is the limit for her. She could graduate early. She could do all the things she wants if she applies herself and mm-hmm. you know, no one's telling her she has to do it. Yeah, that's awesome. I'm I'm really glad to hear like how her homeschooling, I guess, has evolved over, over the years. Mm-hmm. Um, but I kind of want to go back in time a little bit to when she first, you know, transitioned. Um, I'm, I'm wondering what was that transition period like for her? I mean, we talked about, you know, going through that process of de-schooling, but what was it like for her to go from a schooling environment into that de-schooling environment for however, however long you did that? When I look back, the only thing that I can see is relief. Mm. 
like I feel like there was just this weight lifted off of her like this pressure lifted yeah because like when she was in school you know when we would struggle you know the battle the homework battle and stuff and you got to do this come on Bella like um she would say things like I'm not good at this like Mm -hmm. I'm not good as such and such and I'm like it doesn't matter what such and such is doing so there was always that comparison of what I'm what I'm capable of versus what this other person in my class is capable of and they're they're doing more than me so I must not be good like Mm -hmm. there was just always this negative self-talk when she was in public school because she was comparing herself yeah but once we started homeschooling you know once we did the de-schooling and she took that time to just be a kid and you know we started learning in like unique ways like she like that Christmas she wanted to make Christmas ornaments for her friends using um popsicle sticks Mm. and so we kind of combined it with math you know because she knew she needed a certain amount and you know I mean of course at that time it was very very basic stuff because she was only in third grade but um she liked doing that she liked learning in that way with um without that comparison of what somebody else was doing. Mm -hmm. And as the, you know, as the months went by, I started noticing her confidence was getting better and she was wanting to do like extra lessons. Mm -hmm. And I could just tell that it was kind of like this pressure had been, had been relieved, Mm -hmm. you know, when you leave it. Are you, is Sorry. dad dropping me off at toes? Yes. Okay, because I told <laughs> it to dad. And he was um, but it, it just, it kind of went from a, a place of being under like a constant state of stress to realizing that she could do things and that she could learn in peace. Mm. That's That's what it felt like to me. Wow. Um, that, I think that's a beautiful way to describe it. Like being able to learn in peace. Like I I truly believe that homeschooling has been one of the greatest ways to restore peace in our home. Um, and just able to have that peace and, and relax a little bit and breathe and not feel because just as much as our kids feel that force and that compulsion in school, I feel like parents, we also feel that too, you know, like I have to force my child to do their homework. I have to force my child to get good grades. I have, you know, like we feel a lot of that pressure as parents, like we internalize a lot of what it means. Like I want my child to be on the honor roll. You know, I want my child to be the one that's getting good grades or whatever. Yeah. It's like, it becomes like almost like a competition, you know, the whole, the, the, uh, that comparison yeah. that you were mentioning, like, compare, yeah. like they compare, you know, them to their classmates, but we as parents, like we also compare, you know, like our kids to our friends' kids or who's, you know, yeah. better grades or whatever, you know. Sharing the report cards and stuff like that on their yeah. you know, social media and stuff. So everyone can be like, oh, congratulations. Like <laughs> it's like a double, I don't know. It's it's a competition that that just doesn't need to happen. 
I mean, you're right. And I I heard this quote, I I don't remember who it is. I'll have to look it up, but they said, comparison is the thief of joy. Thief of joy. And and it's, it's just, it's so true. I feel like maybe John Piper said that I can't remember, but, um, but it it is, we, we really do. And And it robs us of the joy of who that unique person is, you know, who our child is, as a whole human being, like that's not missing or lacking anything, you know? Yeah, Um, because- Go ahead. I was was just (laughs) gonna say like, even though, even how like the child being compared to another child in the classroom, the same thing happens to parents. You know, you have the one parent who, okay, great. Your child is getting honor roll. Your child's getting straight A's. They make the the principal's list or whatever it's called. Um, And they're sharing it, but then, you know, they have friends who, maybe have a child who is struggling so in by them sharing how great their child is doing it will almost put the other person in a state of mind of you know I'm not doing enough because my child is struggling and they're not you know doing as good so it kind of like this double uh I don't know it's like a double hit in a sense (laughs) I was was thinking like a double punch, you know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I mean, we talked about your daughter's process going through that de-schooling and how she did her creative Mm -hmm. expression and was kind of going through it almost like that decompressing a little bit from a lot of the the trauma I feel like that kids experience from being in a schooled environment I'm wondering what was the de-schooling process like for you as a mom because de-schooling isn't just for our kids you know like you mentioned it, it's that unlearning of what, everything that we thought or believed about what schooling is or what learning should look like um, so what was the de-schooling process like for you uh I would say it was probably a lot longer for me <laughs> just for that that, very very aspect of you know people are always asking oh what are you learning what are you what are you learning in homeschool so that is that (laughs) constant pressure of they're going to judge me as a parent because I'm not teaching my child a specific thing right now like um whereas for her like once she kind of got over that she was she felt free you know but it took me I'd say a couple years honestly before I truly felt confident in how we homeschooled and I could stand up and say this is how we homeschool I love you sorry she's leaving to go to practice <laughs> no worries um but you know to truly feel that confidence of you know this is how we homeschool and it doesn't have to look like what you expect it to look like yeah you know, it has to be what works for us right and and I'm glad that you brought that up that for our children that process, the de-schooling process really is a lot shorter than for us as parents. And um, I often tell people, you know, when I'm, when I'm coaching people through homeschooling, I often tell them that during the de-schooling process, you want to de-school one month for every year that your child has been in school or that you have been in school. So for, you know, for your daughter, um, that de-schooling process for her would have been, you know, let's say like three or four years, maybe depending on if she went to pre-K or not. Um, but you know, for someone like you that you're, you know, educated or me, I have a master's degree, it's going to take me at least two years you know, to, of de-schooling to really start to unpack and unravel a lot of those, those preconceived ideas and those beliefs that we have about what schooling is. And then of course I'm a teacher. So I'm like, I've got all these extra years, you know, oh, yeah. in the classroom that I have to unlearn 
um, a lot of those things too. So it does, it, it, it takes, it takes a lot of time. Um, so if your child has gone through that de-schooling process, you know, don't, as a parent, please don't feel like, you know, you're doing something wrong or anything like that. It is going to take us longer to yeah. learn the decades worth of indoctrination, um, that we have experienced, um, being in schooled environments. So, yeah. Cause I mean, most yeah, uh, most all of us have gone to a public school or even a private school. They're still kind of set up the same way, right. you know, for our entire lives. And then you also have college on top of that. So our time frame of being able to kind of get out of that mindset and get out of our own heads and just let go is it's naturally going to be a lot longer. But I felt that the, the biggest thing that got me through is understanding that my homeschool journey does not have to look like anybody else's homeschool journey. I mean, you have people who set up like full on classrooms in their house, like with everything on the walls and everything, like they're in a school. Yeah. And then you have other people who, you know, they might be, have their laptop on the couch. Like that's kind of how we, we did it. I mean, now I kind of have to do stuff. I do have to separate because you know, my daughter has her own and my son has his, so they have to be in separate areas. So they're not hearing each other's stuff. Uh Um, but you know, they, most of the time they're just, they're in their PJs. You know, we don't have a a strict time that they wake up because I personally feel that they learn better and they're more cooperative when they're rested. Um, you know, so we wake up, they, get breakfast they get stuff done and we go do what we have to do and if they don't get stuff done they can do it later in the evening or they can do it on the weekend like yeah it's just such a more relaxed way of learning um and I think it's just more conducive not only to their learning style but also to their mental health Mm -hmm. um because they're getting you know they're not you know exhausted um you know whereas today like I don't know how some kids do it with getting up and going to school, coming home, doing homework, doing extracurricular activities. You know, it's just, it's, it, it makes me exhausted thinking about how much stuff these, some of these kids are doing. Yeah. But, and, and there's a lot of, you know, I, I heard someone say once that boredom is the birthplace of, of beauty, you know, like we really create incredible things when we have the time and the space to be bored, you know, that we have nothing is planned and, and there's nothing going on that when you can sit with that boredom or that feeling of like, okay, no one else is telling me what to do. That's when we create like, oh, what do I want to do with this time that I have, you know? Yes. And, and so many kids today are being robbed of that gift of time and boredom. Um, and they're yeah. missing out on opportunities to create something that they love. Yeah. And use their imagination, especially in the younger, the younger ages, because, you know, a lot of times these days, you know, kids are so like inundated with technology, whether it be the computer, the TV, the tablets, the phones, whatever. Yeah. And they don't really get that chance to be bored and and learn where their mind wanders or the creativity. And Mm -hmm. we've actually been really blessed because when we moved into this community in December, um, there's another family that homeschools and they have three girls and, uh, or they have four girls, but one's only two. But so a lot of times, you know, if Brayden wants to, you know, he'll go knock on their door in the middle of the day, 
or middle of the afternoon, you know, give them each, each family time to get some, you know, if they have work that they're doing to get it done, but yeah. And they'll come over and they'll be playing in the woods and they, they're like, their little imaginations are just crazy. Like when I walk out, I'm like, what are you guys doing? And they're like, oh, we're making, we're making white chocolate. And I said, you're doing what? (laughs) And here they were cutting up, they were finding, um, is it walnuts? Yes, it was walnuts and they're cracking them open. And when they crack them open, the inside is white. Mm-hmm. So it looks like white chocolate. So they, they chop it up and they, you know, they're pretending. So they pretend like they had this kitchen and they're doing this stuff and they're, you know, they made um, moss beds under our deck where they, they dug up moss from a different place and moved it over under the deck and like planted it. So they each had their own little spot. <laughs> where they would, you know, they'd pretend that they were napping and like, just, I don't know, just, it was just neat to see how their minds are, I don't know. It's, it's fun. Cause they were bored. Yeah. You know? That's awesome. That's beautiful. I, I definitely think that more kids should have that, <laughs> that opportunity, you know, to, to, to be bored um, and to yeah. explore those, those, you know, their own creativity, like you mentioned and, and invent things and use their imaginations in new ways. And yeah. Um, and with Bella, I think it, it's kind of with her, it's kind of taken her down a different route than a lot of the public school kids are um, when it comes to technology. Cause mm. you know, she got, she wanted an iPod a couple years ago because she wanted to listen to music. Mm-hmm. Um, so we bought her an iPod and now my, actually my mother-in-law bought her the iPod, but I didn't know back when I used an iPod, it was for music. Yeah. And then when we got it and we were setting it up, I, you know, and they were, t- my husband said something about, oh, you can call such and such. And I'm like, wait, she can what? That thing makes phone calls. <laughs> and that I was like, oh my gosh, like I didn't, cause we didn't want her to have a phone yeah. that young. And yeah. so I wasn't aware of that. Um, but it was a gift. So I'm like, okay, well, there's going to be some rules. <laughs> like <laughs> we'll see how this goes, but there's going to be some rules. And she did really well with it. And then, so we eventually did um, go ahead and get her a cell phone just because since she does all-star cheer, whenever we go to competitions, we are separated from them. And there's typically isn't Wi-Fi in there, which is, that's the only way she could call if she was on the iPod. Yeah. And so she would really have no way to communicate with us if she was hungry or if she needed anything um, while we were at the competition. So based on how she did with the iPod, with the texting and calling, we're like, okay, well, she seems to be handling that good. So we'll go ahead and get her a phone. And I was really nervous about the whole thing with, you know, all the different apps and, you know, Snapchat and what is it? Uh, I don't know the the new one. TikTok? Yes. That one, (laughs) all these different ones, like afraid how that would be. Didn't know how like strict I needed to be on that, but because she's, I don't want to say because she's homeschooled, but I feel like she's just developed, developed so much more of a mature mindset on things that she doesn't even care about that stuff, about having that stuff. Like she has Pinterest and that's like her favorite thing because she goes on and she explores ideas of things that she wants to make and, you know, learns how to do different things. Like that's her favorite social media app. And it, it just, Hmm. 
it really makes me thankful that she kind of has that maturity where she doesn't feel the need that she has to fit in with everybody because they have these apps and they're doing TikToks and Snapchats, sending snaps and whatever the term is. Um, but I, I don't know. Maybe that has to do with homeschooling. Maybe it's just her personality. I, I don't know, but probably a combination of both, I would say. Um, yeah. I, I am wondering though, too, a lot of people when, you know, when they, when they think about homeschooling or homeschoolers in general, I feel like they kind of have that view that your husband have of like, uh, oh, they're kind of weird. Um, most people, their big hang up is like, oh my gosh, you're homeschooling. How are they going to socialize? You know, people have this weird fear that if you homeschool your kids, they're not going to socialize. They're not going to be able to make friends. Um, and I'm wondering what has that experience been like for you and for your children? Have you found that it has been difficult to socialize um, or to be able to make friends as a homeschooling family? Difficult? Not at all. Huh. And I think, honestly, I think it comes down to the personality of the child, mm -hmm. um, whether you're homeschooled or not. I mean, I know some public school kids who are very awkward and hard to kind of communicate with and get to know. And I think it just, yeah. if a child is, is an anxious child or just is naturally kind of apprehensive, mm -hmm. I think it, it it's going to be the same whether they're homeschooled or they're, or, I mean, it could be like that, whether they're homeschooled or they're in public school. Whereas yeah. if a child is naturally friendly or, or sometimes even if, even if they're not sociable in public school and you think oh my gosh well they're not even social now like they're they're never going to make it as a homeschooler it could actually turn out to be the opposite because maybe they're not social as a public schooler because they're so full of anxiety mm -hmm. or maybe they've been bullied or something like that so they've they've kind of gone inward and they've sheltered themselves away whereas yeah. once they become a homeschooler and they realize that the comparisons are gone. You know, the the bullying isn't isn't going to happen like that because you're not, you know, in that type of public school environment where right. bullying is so prevalent. Like they kind of open up more and yeah. realize that they can find somebody that they want to be friends with. You know, like yeah. for me, for for my kids, both my kids have always been very social, um, friendly. Brayden, I mean he's kind of friendly to, to the point that it's scary because he'll he'll make friends with the UPS driver, you know, and Aww. oh, there's my friend. And I'm like, you have no idea who that is. <laughs> he's my friend. I'm like, okay. <laughs> but, you know, and it, it kind of is scary because he has no fear of talking to me. He'll walk up to any and be like, hi, I'm Brayden. Yeah. Uh, you know, Bella, as she's gotten a little bit older, she is she's kind of shy at first mm -hmm. um but the moment she gets introduced like she doesn't want to make the initial introduction mm -hmm. but the moment she's introduced then it's like oh okay cool let's go let's go hang like yeah. I mean that's what when we actually when we first came to um to co-op she was kind of like that um whereas Brayden just kind of like went running and was like hey everybody and you know I had mentioned something to to Amy I was like you know would you mind intro just introducing Bella to the other teens? Um, because if not, she's going to stay right next to me until there's like that ice is broken. Like this is yeah. Bella, this is such as such. go off. <laughs> but yeah. so yeah, she just did the introduction and then 
Bella's been fine ever since. So yeah. And for those who are not familiar with the term co-op, um, a lot of homeschoolers participate in co-ops as a way for them to make friends and build relationships with other people. Um, a lot of co-ops have like formal classes and, and sometimes can even be very similar to a schooling environment um, just with a group of homeschoolers. But of course, a lot of times they'll have more, more choice, you know, and, and they can choose kind of the classes that they want to participate in. Um, but Shana and I actually both get to go to a really incredible co-op um, that is called Traditional Learning Community, and we call it TLC. Um, so that is located in Catonsville, Maryland, in case anyone is close by and interested in checking that out as an option, I will make sure that I include the links in the description for their website. Um, but this is literally like the unschoolers dream. Um, I, I told Amy, Amy's the director, uh, I told Amy that I had really wanted to kind of create an unschool school like that has been my, my dream and my passion to one day have an unschool school. Um, you know, where it can be this space that has all the materials that any kid would need or want to have to be able to learn about whatever they would want to learn about. And then to be able to have that freedom that they could go wherever they want. And little did I know, Amy had already created that for us. So um, that is a really awesome, awesome place. Can you share just a little bit about your experience with the TLC co-op and what that's been like for you and your family? Um well, like, I, I remember actually at the beginning of this year, um, I just remember it, like thanking Amy because it was like a breath of fresh air. Like that's how I, that's the only way I could describe it because it gave that opportunity where kids could be free to play and interact and do different things. Like it kind of like how I said how like with homeschooling, you're a coach, you provide you provide the the options and then let them choose what they want to do and you provide the guidance. So at TLC, they provide the options. You know, you have the option of doing art. You have the option of doing music. You have the option of doing like um, science type stuff or reading or, um, you know, computery type stuff or even like cooking and baking and things like that. You have those options. You don't have to do it, but if that's where your interest lies, you can go for it. And then, you know, they do offer some of the kind of formal, more like regular classes, you know, for kids who want to do things like, like study language, you know, Bella's doing both Spanish and French. <laughs> um, because she developed a love for learning other languages a couple of years ago when she decided she wanted to learn Italian because mm -hmm. my family or my husband's family is from Italy. <clears throat> so he still has family in Italy and Bella's always wanted to go there. So she wanted to learn Italian. So we did it. And because she saw how easy it was for her at this age to kind of pick it up. Um, she was really drawn to taking the French and the Spanish class mm -hmm. and knowing that it's an environment that honors everybody. Like you don't have to be, I mean, like under the current type of environment, like you don't, have to be someone you don't it, it's not some place where you have to wear a mask or you do not you're not allowed to wear a mask like it's if you want to you can if you don't want to you don't have to mm -hmm. it's not a place that is you know oh you have to have this certain belief system or you or you are you're not accepted or you have to have this certain belief system or you're not accepted everybody is accepted um and 
everybody's freedom of choice is, 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 is accepted and honored and respected. So it just, I think it goes, it really kind of hones in on what homeschooling should be is freedom, freedom to choose how you are going to learn. And, you know, I don't know, it's just, it's so relaxing to be there because you know, you're not being judged about how you, how you teach about how you live your life. <laughs> you know, the choices you'll make, you're just, you know, you're just accepted. Yeah. I think that's a beautiful way to describe it. I definitely felt the same. Like for me, it was literally a breath of fresh air. <laughs> yes. Being able to go there and have this one little corner of the world that just felt like freedom, normal. you know, yeah. it felt normal and just felt like complete freedom and joy. And to see all these kids with their big smiling faces that were happy and engaged and learning the things that they were passionate about and all the different ages that were mixing together and teaching one another and learning from one another. I mean, it just, it was beautiful. Like there's like no other place like it on the planet. So um, if you are fortunate enough to live in Maryland, I would highly recommend that you check out TLC. Um, it's an awesome, awesome place to get connected with. Um, so yeah, thank you for sharing about that. And I, I want to ask you too, one more thing. Um, if, you know, if there's someone listening out here, who's, who's been thinking about homeschooling, or maybe they started homeschooling and they're kind of new in their journey. Um, what is one piece of advice that you wish that you would have known when you started? Um, when I, when I started, um, and I may, I may have actually said this earlier, homeschool is only as stressful as we make it as in the parents. Mm -hmm. Um, if we to put too much pressure on ourselves and on our kids, it's going to be a lot harder. If we go into it, learning about, like we talked about de-schooling, like make that a first priority to learn about de-schooling and learn that we don't have to be in control and be directing everything. It makes, it makes things so much easier. <laughs> I agree a hundred percent. I wish I could shout that from the rooftops that you know, and it, it really is. It's such a, a profound statement that homeschooling is only as stressful as we, the parents make it. And you're hundred yeah. percent correct because we really do. We set, we set the pace and, and the tone and the emotions around what that homeschooling experience is going to be like for our kids. It and is. I, you know, I always tell parents if your child is miserable or if you are miserable, you're doing it wrong. You know? we need to change <laughs> something wrong. up. Yeah, yeah. we, we got to change something because, you know, learning can and should be fun. And we should be able to have a blast with our kids every day. And just like the person, you know, gave that advice to you at the beginning, if we can focus on having loving, connected relationships with our kids, the content will sort itself out. But, you know, our main focus can and should be simply that loving and enjoying and supporting our children for who they are and not, not worrying about the details, <laughs> you know, the other stuff, all that other stuff works itself out. I promise it does. Exactly. Yeah. And it was just, you know, even just whenever they had the, the shutdown, when they started changing to like online or distance learning is what it was called. I mean, I had people reach out to me like, Shana, I don't know how you do this homeschooling thing. This is miserable. And I just kind of stood back and I'm like, uh, what you're doing is not homeschooling. I promise you that. <laughs> like, please don't make that comparison because that's yeah. not what you're doing. And I felt so bad for them because they're thrown into this new environment 
mm-hmm. and it was stressing everybody out. Yeah. And so, yeah, it just <clears throat> real homeschooling does not have to be stressful. And in all honesty, I, you know, you hear people's parents say all the time, you know, how, oh my God, they can't wait for school to start back, you know, so they're, they can get rid of their kids. Mm. And it's so honestly, sad. It is. It's, it's really sad because I mean, I love being around my kids. I don't always love it when they're bickering and fighting at each other. Cause that's what kids do. But right. like, I, I love that they are, um, they're, they're learning so naturally and they're, they're growing. And I love seeing that. Like, that's just, it's just amazing to, to watch how their little minds are developing and how, like, especially my daughter being 13, how she's just maturing so, so naturally. And she doesn't have all these outside influences that are pushed on her when, you know, being in like a public school system where she has to feel like she has to compete with, with society, you know, she can just be her and enjoy her interests and, you know, without the comparisons. Mm -hmm. So that's beautiful. Well, thank you so much for sharing that. Um, If there's someone that's listening and is hearing your story and they're like, man, I really want to connect with her. um, How can my listeners get connected with you and and the work that you're doing? Um, Well, I'm on Facebook, uh, Shana Rathbone, just on Facebook. Um, And I also have an email, uh, just Rathbone818 at Hotmail. It's R-A-T-H-B-O-N-E 818 at Hotmail. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, I have, I have my, my website, but that's more for my health coaching stuff. But <laughs> Can you tell us a little bit about that too, just in case someone might be interested in hearing about the oh. health work that you do? Yeah. So um, part of my, my journey started because I was, um, I was debilitated with seven autoimmune diseases after I got out of the military. And by the time Bella started school, I was, I was completely miserable and I got tired of feeling like I was guinea pig. I mean, I was on 13 different daily medications and I wasn't getting any better. I was getting worse. Mm. So my husband had finally convinced me to go back and ask for help through the VA. And I went back and asked for help and they kind of, I don't want to say they shamed me, but the guy kind of jumped over his table, like laid over his desk and was like, why didn't you come any sooner? Cause I'd waited so long. It had already been like, I don't know, 12 years since I got out of the military. Oh, wow. And because he saw right there in my record that I should have been getting help years before this. Yeah. And so they ended up granting me 90% disability. So they granted me a little bit of back pay and but I didn't, I never wanted to be this disabled person. Like I wanted to be able to play with my children and everything. So I used some of that money and I went back to school for integrative nutrition because I thought, okay, well, doctors aren't helping me. I'm going to learn how to help myself. Hmm. So I learned about more about the body and stress and toxins and stuff like that. And I was able to reverse all seven of those autoimmune diseases and started health coaching, but it kind of, it turned into more of a passion where I wanted to learn more about natural medicine. So I went back to school for naturopathic medicine. Um, and just, I wanted to be able to have the knowledge base to be able to help other people if they also wanted to learn how to treat their health more naturally. Mm. Um, and so that was kind of what 
I want to say that's kind of what pushed me into the way I homeschool because since I wanted to treat my health and everything as natural as possible, and I saw that that worked in doing things as natural as possible, I kind of thought, well, maybe the learning needs to be the same way, you know, that the natural aspect of learning, the natural flow of interest in how you take in information. Um, so they kind of blended together. So I just, uh, that's beautiful. Yeah. I never thought about that before. Like taking that natural approach to healing, you know, healing our body, but then also looking at that, the natural lens when it comes to learning and education. I mean, that's just, that's brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it really kind of goes back to the whole, you know, the way they used to learn, you know, it's kind of like the Montessori style, how you have like older kids teaching younger kids and there's a natural progression of how kids will, they learn through doing and they learn from other people. Um, That's kind of how homeschooling is. I mean, even at, even at co-op, you know, you have older kids teaching younger kids things Mm -hmm. um, and they, they respond very well to it. So, and the older kid gets that feeling of pride of, Oh, I taught them how to do that. Yeah. Um, So yeah, I just, I, I like to do things as natural as I can in pretty much every, every every aspect. Yeah. (laughs) Me too. Actually, that's one of the reasons why I wrote, um, the, my, well, my first book was gospel-based parenting, but the other ones that I wrote, um, were called the crunchy kids series, because I, I really felt like, you know, there is this need for, for a return to natural health and healing and natural wellness. And there really is, is power in the things that God has made to, to heal and restore our body. And yeah, um, and it, it, it is. And I think that being able to have access to children's books that can communicate a lot of that natural healing and wellness and that natural knowledge is so important to be able to pass that along to our kids. Um, so if you're interested in that series, I'll make sure that I include um, the links to those books as well. The first one that I wrote um, is called There's an Oil Just for Me, which is a book I wrote about essential oils. And that was kind of my introduction to the natural world. You know, I was I was totally skeptical. I was like, okay, essential oils, like it just seemed kind of kooky to me, you know, but <laughs> I mean, I tried it when I had my first headache and smelling some peppermint and literally having a headache disappear within minutes of smelling peppermint. And I was like, this is amazing. Yeah, <laughs> it's, just, it's really remarkable. Ironically, that's a lot of people's entry into natural health. That was, it was mine too. Mm-hmm. Um, even before I started in on the nu- nutrition aspect, I was looking at it for relief for sleep because you know, when I was dealing with the autoimmune diseases, my sleep was absolutely horrendous. So um, my girlfriend was sharing about these essential oils and how lavender helps to calm and helps you sleep and all these different things. And then, you know, then that kind of turned into me using some of them to make my own cleaning products as I was trying to, you know, get the toxins out of my cleaning products. And yeah. it just kind of evolved. Um, it was a process. It didn't happen overnight. So, you know, I always tell people, you know, when they're looking, when they're wanting to, you know, do things more naturally, you know, take baby steps. Don't put too much pressure on yourself and expect that you're just going to turn everything over in your house overnight. And you're going to, you know, heal your body in six months. Like the same thing with the, with the de-schooling, like depending on how long your health has been struggling, Hmm. there's a certain amount of time that's going to take to get things back on track. Once you start doing things more naturally. Yeah. So it's a, it's a process, but you know, just, just as with homeschooling, like as long as you're committed to the fact that you know in your heart that what you're doing is 
in your best interest or as with homeschooling your child's best interest like you'll you'll get there Mm, that's that's wonderful wonderful advice thank Mm -hmm. you so much for sharing that um so again i'm going to make sure that i include all those links that we talked about today there are so many resources awesome resources that um you know we both have shared for you guys so make sure that you check out the links in the description and i just want to thank you so much um one for being a guest and then also to those of you listening thank you for listening uh to the peaceful world schooling podcast today i truly hope that this episode was as much of a blessing for you as it was for me Um, There are new episodes of the Peaceful World Schooling podcast that are released every single Tuesday. So make sure that you like and subscribe so that you will not miss out on a single one. If you would like to support me in the work that I'm doing, please share this episode with your friends and family, and then also consider checking out some of the links in the description so that you can get connected with me as well. Um, Or you can visit me on my website, www.peacefulworldschoolers.com. Thank you so much. I hope that your day is as wonderful as you are, and I will see you next Tuesday. (laughs) Bye. Bye. Join us next Tuesday on the Peaceful World Schooling Podcast. I'm your host, Angela Harders, and if you enjoyed today's episode, click subscribe and be sure to hit the bell so you will not miss out on a single episode.